Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to America's Community Voices Network. We're on Blog Talk Radio. And today we continue with our series on ending and surviving human trafficking in the state of Florida. We have as our very special guest today, Nikki Carter. Nikki Cross, I'm sorry, Nikki Cross, and Nikki is a very special person. She's a survivor. She's the founder and president of Star Ministry Corporation, which is Stop the Abuse and Rescue. She's a speaker, writer, and survivor of abduction and kidnapping by a former boyfriend at the age of 15. Nikki was held against her will and repeatedly assaulted by her abductor and others until escaping. Realizing how self-destructive her anger and silence had been, it became apparent healing was necessary, and the journey began. Her first rescue was over 20 years ago, before it was a popular cause, and often faced ridicule for ministering to women that had been exploited and trafficked. Nikki shares her story when asked, but doesn't want it to be all about her. She says that survivors have a responsibility to encourage others going through the same trials, to let them know there is a life beyond abuse. It's never too late for the hurt to heal. Once a victim, now victorious. Nikki mentors several women, including many that have been referred through law enforcement, and was able to open the first and only safe house in Pinellas County, Florida, in 2014. Also joining us again is Dottie Goover-Skipper, and uh, she spoke to us last time about the organizational aspects of ending trafficking in the state of Florida, but our focus today will be Nikki, and uh, we're going to talk about all of the work that she's done. But before we do that, we want to remind you of a few facts about trafficking. The Florida Department of Law Enforcement has stated since 2008 that human trafficking is the biggest invisible crime in Florida. On April 22, 2010, the Florida House unanimously passed House Bill 633, which is aimed at helping Law enforcement pushed back against human trafficking and sex-related businesses. Human trafficking, sex slavery, and sex-related businesses are rampant in Florida, particularly in Tampa. Exotic dance parlors, adult theaters, video stores, and massage parlors can serve as covers for exhort services or prostitution rings. This, in turn, has led to an influx of criminals indulging in sex trafficking and child trafficking for sexual slavery, prostitution, forced labor, and pornography. The estimated FBI numbers from sources as varied as ABC's Primetime in 2006 to Christianity Day in 2010 show 100,000 to 300,000 teens and children under the age of 18 have been trafficked within the states each year. 80% of all human trafficking victims are adult women and 50% are children. According to the National Human Trafficking Resource Center, There are 27 million people enslaved worldwide. In 2013, the National Human Trafficking Resource Center ranked Florida third in the number of calls received by the center's human trafficking hotline. Victims of human trafficking include children, women, and men who are subjected to sexual exploitation and forced labor through force, fraud, or coercion. According to a study of U.S. Department of Justice, human trafficking Task force cases, 83% of sex trafficking victims identified in the United States were U.S. citizens. The average age that a trafficking victim 
commercial sex is between the ages of 12 to 14. Our Attorney General, uh, Pam Bondi, is committed to an all-hands-on-deck approach to eradicating human trafficking. And with that, we welcome today our guest, Nikki. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I am I am honored, blessed, and humbled to be here. Well, thank you so much. And again, we welcome back Dottie Gruber Skipper. Hello, Dottie. Hey, Ron. Thank you so much. Nikki, we're going to start out with you because I uh, one of the things when Dottie and Donald and I talked about this was that, and Dottie brought to our attention that there were two parts to this. I mean, there's, you know, the fight to end human trafficking. But there's also the most probably the most important step next to the ending is surviving human trafficking. And certainly you have put yourself in a position to play a prominent role. Can we start off with the beginning when you talked about so many years ago when you were a victim? Tell us how you got from being a victim to being a survivor. Well, you know, the thing, Ron, that I, that I really would like to get out there is that people have this image that it only happens to those kids or just the at-risk kids. That wasn't my case at all. I came from a, a good family background, good, solid Christian background. Um, you know, my parents were in the home. There was no abuse. Um, you know, every home has a, a, a modicum of dysfunction, but um, we were as, quote, normal as a family could be. Um, but because I was raised in that conservative lifestyle, I was pretty much led to believe that bad things couldn't happen to good girls. So at the age of nine years old, when I was sexually molested by a uh, relative, I didn't tell my parents what had happened to me. Um, I was ashamed. I felt guilty. I thought that it somehow brought it on myself. So over the years, uh, as you do when you have pain, you look for ways to anesthetize. And, you know, as an adolescent, um, I began to hang out with those kids that were drinking and doing drugs and running away from home. And the last time that I ran away from home, I met uh, the guy that I thought was my knight in shining armor. I thought he had all the answers because he gave me that validation um, there was that thing inside of me that felt I wasn't good enough or something that, like what had happened to me, would not have happened. So he came in with, with all the compliments and buying the gifts and, and the grooming is, is what we call it. Um, so I began to believe this guy loved me. And so needless to say, when he invited me to go to Thanksgiving dinner to meet his mom, uh, I was all for it. What I didn't realize is at the end of that was a third-floor attic with with uh, shackles that would be around my ankle for almost a year. Wow, so it's such a very very young age. You had to face a very frightening circumstances. You know, Nikki, I it, saw... It was, uh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that it, it was fear beyond comprehension. It would be scary for any adult, but but for a child especially, it was it was the boogeyman and worst nightmare come true. Before we continue, let me let me uh, bring something to your attention. I recently saw, because Donald and I were doing research for this, a, mo- uh, a movie that we saw on Netflix called Tricked. Have you ever seen that before? Uh, you know, I try not to watch those type of movies because uh, one thing that happens with survivors is when we watch things that reenact 
those situations, there's a triggering process that can take place that can bring back really bad memories. So I have seen the Liam Neeson taken. I will tell you that, but um, well, but I try I try to stay away from the documentaries and well, such. Well, Nikki, Nikki, this was a documentary, and, and let me tell you why I brought this up. Because okay. you mentioned about about as a young, a young person, uh, you were looking for validation and looking for affection, and one of the themes that I saw in that movie, and they dealt with mostly young women who who were brought into this whole lifestyle at a very young age, and every, every single one of them talked about wanting to feel loved and protected. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely. So I, I I bring that up because I I think that it's it's an important point for those of us that are listening to to, to the program today to understand that maybe we need to, in terms of dealing with this problem, there needs to be a more holistic point of view in terms of providing better support to our young people and making sure that they do feel loved and they do feel supported and protected and they do feel that they can come to the adult and anyone in their lives to tell about things that happened to them like what happened to you. Well, and you know, one of the things that, I, that I've done, I've written a curriculum about how to speak with survivors in ways that don't trigger them. But another thing that I do is, is I try to train case managers and law enforcement um, advocates that there's also signs that you can look for that sometimes it's not behavior, it's actually trauma that's manifesting. Um, if you have a child that's, that's sitting in your class and they have been a, a pretty docile child for the most part and all of a sudden they become aggressive um, or they start showing up with, with lots of jewelry or new clothes or they're talking about they're going on weekend trips with their boyfriends, you know, these are some signs that we can look for that tell us, wait a minute, it, it, this could be tra- trafficking going on here. Nikki, tell us how, you told us about how you were captured. How how did you break away from your adopt, uh, abduction, and how did you move to the point that uh, uh, that you became an adult and you realized some of the things that you realized in terms of uh, developing a program and healing? Well, I'll try to give you the edited version because it's, it's such a long story, but um, the gist of it is there was another young man who was on premises that, you know, trafficking takes many forms. There's the sexual type, there's the labor type, and this young man was was horribly addicted to drugs. Um, And they had him, he was basically the gopher. He did everything around that house. And one of his duties was to bring food up to the attic to me and the other two teenagers that were in there. Um, and I would beg him, I would plead with him constantly, you know, help me, help me, help me, um, leave the door unlocked, unlock this, this, this shackle, and they'll never know. And he was terrified of these people. But I think as, as time went on, he began to, to really, this, this began to get under his conscience. And so he reached out to someone in the community that he knew um, and said, hey, this girl doesn't belong there, and I don't know how to help her without getting myself killed. Um, and so he set up um, a situation where he told my abductor, if we could take her downtown, this was in Akron, Ohio, where it happened, uh, if we could take her downtown Akron, if we could parade her around in the bar, we could make a lot more money and we could sell her out the van in the alley. And, you know, you have to understand, Ron, is the whole time this was happening to me, I didn't realize this was a business going on. I just thought that I was being repeatedly assaulted every day because money never transferred 
you know, I never saw any money. There was never any cash discussion in front of me. It was just the assaults. So when he started saying this to this guy, I, you know, I didn't trust anyone at this point. Um, but they took me into this bar, and what he had set up was when he had told me the, the appropriate time to run, he had set up where a guy and another girl were sitting outside waiting for me. And uh, long story short, I went to this young girl's house. Her name was Chrissy, which is why we call our safe house Chrissy's house, because she shielded and protected me um, until I was able to get reunited with my family. But in answer to your question about going forward, you know, you, you think, okay, this girl was rescued, and yay, she got her life back. On the contrary, it went literally downhill for years for me because the trauma was not addressed. The abuse was not addressed. What got me in that situation to start with was never addressed. And so I just went from being an angry young woman into an angry older woman. Um, And it was years and years and years. And I finally decided one day that I had to get a hold of this anger because it was controlling me and it made my abductor still the control over me. Um, and once I dealt with that anger, I knew that I had to get counseling. I had to get therapy. Um, you know, my faith, I, I, I have a faith-based organization because I, I believe that was the pivotal part of, of my growing um, and transforming. And it was not a quick process. It's taken years. In fact, there's there's still days that I get triggered from things because you don't just walk away from that sort of abuse and just, you know, shake off your shoulders and say, ah, it's no big deal. It, it it changes you for the rest of your life, but it doesn't have to change you in a bad way. You know, I've I've turned it around and said, you know, this was my boot camp. Now I know how to deal with this epidemic. Now I know how to deal with these faces that sit across from me and the eyes are dead and, and they feel like there's there's no hope beyond. You know, if if I can be pulled over that mountain, then they can be pulled over that mountain. Nikki, my brother Donna has a question for you. Hi, Nikki. Sure. Um, I wanted to know um, um, your parents. Uh, I know were they, they they were were they there for you once you were you escaped and you were able to get back to them. Uh, they, were they able to provide some sort of medical care for you for you to see a psychiatrist for you to get some counseling? What role did they play in your recovery, if any? You know, I, I will say this, that, no, I, I was not advised to see counseling um, because that just wasn't done in that day. Um, you know, but, but I will tell you that I had great parents. Uh, my mother's still living. My father passed away 11 years yesterday. Um, but he was my hero, and, and I'm so grateful that I had this this type of man as a, a role model in my life because it, it set the precedent that all men are not bad and that, you know, there are some evil, evil people in this world, but there's also some really good ones. Um, so they were they were supportive to me as much as they knew how. And this is this is why I just really scream it from the rooftops that parents have got to get educated about what trafficking is, how it begins, how it starts. And then, God forbid, if it happens to your child, what to do so that your child doesn't have to wait 20 years to seek counseling and help and spiritual advice. You know, that that 
process can begin immediately because, you know, it's a proven fact that the women that start their counseling immediately after have much better progress and results than those who, who wait because there, is a, there are bad habits that will set in. And, and just like any bad habit, um, it takes a lot longer to break it if you've been doing it longer then if if you break it, it's kind of like the, the analogy I use with my girls of if you wrap a string, a piece of thread around your wrist one time and you tug on it, you can break it. But if you wrap it around twice, it's a little harder. And third, even harder. So that's what we've got to do when we get these kids rescued. We've got to break that string before they have, have time to, to wrap that anger around and around and around because once it sets in, it's really hard sometimes to, to get through. And we have to also remember that most victims, including myself, do not self-identify. It was years, and that was part of the problem. It was years before I felt that I had been a victim of crime. I just thought, you know, I made some stupid choices and I got what I deserved. But nobody deserves to be another person's slave, ever. There's never an excuse for that. Nikki, one other question. You talked about your faith. Uh, that faith that you spoke about, did you have that growing up as a child, or was that something that uh, resulted from your ordeal? You know what, it's, it's, it's really funny you ask that, because one of the things that, I, and I've said it so many times, people probably know what's coming. I, I often say that I was raised in church, but not in Christ. And what I mean by that is that I was raised in one of those churches where, you know, the women would would talk about how each other were dressed and, you know, the rumor mill would, would go through the church. And I didn't really see that love of Christ. Um, it was years later, years later, um, and I, I finally found that relationship. And, you know, one thing that, that that I have to say is that you have to first have a private relationship with Christ before you can have that public relationship with Christ, because you've you've got to know him when nobody's watching. Um, that's more important than when everybody's watching. Nikki, this is Ronald again. One more mm-hmm. question about faith, and, 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 and I, I go back and I hearken back to my own pastor. Uh, he's a very uh, well-known man in this area. He's passed away. His name was Reverend A. Brown, and, uh, and he used to say in church every Sunday, he used to talk about faith and talk about People say that they have faith, but the really one true way to, uh, to, uh, to identify that you have faith is that no matter what the circumstances that you're in, that you must endure. Yes. You must survive in order to truly realize faith. What do you think about that? I absolutely believe that. Absolutely believe that. You know, it, it might, I, I'm in the middle of, of writing um, my book right now, and it's, it's called, like Daddy used to say, because I, my daddy was like a walking bumper sticker. He had a saying for everything. And one of the things my daddy used to say is, preach the gospel to everybody you know, and once in a while use words. And I think that's so important that our life needs to be the reflection of Christ. You know, it, it becomes lip service if we don't have that fruit. And, and and I'd like to believe that you know the that that my heart is 100% submitted to God that that I serve Him the best of my ability and I know that He can bring me through anything you know I the Word tells me I'm more than a conqueror 
And, you know, my description of that is, well, Alexander the Great, he had to go off to a great journey to win a battle to be called a conqueror. But if we're more than a conqueror, well, we've won it before we even went to war. So, you know, that battle of being in that attic, it was already won before I got there. And I'm sitting here today as proof of of, of God's Word. Amen. Nikki, um, I heard you use the term, and Dottie has used the term often, um, uh, you minister in your ministry. Tell us what that means. You know, ministry means uh, to to heal and to help and to nurture and to nourish. And, and that's the thing, when these women and these young girls come in to me, they are broken and shattered in so many pieces that there's not enough super glue, you think, to ever put them back together again. Um, the one thing that I think that makes our ministry unique is that we can take that you-don't-understand card right off the table, right before anything else starts, um, you know, I'm not someone who's sitting across from them who can't identify. And, and that's what I love about Dottie so much is that, you know, she may not be a survivor of trafficking, but she's got that empathy and that heart and that she can, she has that unique ability to sit across from a survivor and make them instantly feel comfortable and loved. And that's what the most, you know, it, it, you don't have to be a survivor to be able to do this and do this right you know, it's got to come from a genuine place because it's one thing about all survivors that, that I will tell you is that we have spidey senses and we know when people are real and we know when they're not. And uh, so I'm so grateful for Dottie as a colleague and friend because uh, she's, she's got a precious heart. Nikki, let's talk about what you did in terms of your ministry, in terms of a practical approach and the organization that you founded called STAR, Stop the Abuse and Rescue Ministry. Tell us about that ministry. Tell us how you were, were able to found it, and tell us what exactly is your, your goals and your mission, and what are you currently doing? Well, the the goals, obviously, are to see those that have been wounded the way I was wounded, um, have that resource and, and that help that wasn't available for me at that time, um, you know, we have a, a wraparound service at Star Ministry, and what that means is uh, the women can, can be referred in to me from law enforcement. If they're having a difficult time um, relating, they will sometimes bring me in as liaison with them. Um, sometimes the girls are just referred over to me to, to be mentored. Some of them need housing. They need a safe place to land to, to rehabilitate. Um, and Chrissy's house, offers that in that when they come in, they don't have to worry about how do I pay the bills? You know, how am I going to get the food? Um, how am I going to see a doctor? How am I going to see a dentist? All of those things that much of these women that have addictions, um, these are things that will trigger them to use again because the stress of just everyday living is overwhelming. Um, and on top of the trauma that they've already endured, uh, it just becomes too much, and so they just they just check out. We, if you can give them that safe place that says, okay, I've removed all of those things, all you need to worry about is your recovery, getting well, uh, finding that healing. You know, this is your quiet place. Um, and we've had some some remarkable some remarkable things happen. We we had a lady that graduated out two weeks ago that 
has been restored back to her family. Um, and we're talking a lady who, you know, before it was identified that she had been trafficked, she had been to prison a couple times, and most of her family had given up on her. This woman is just flourishing now, loves God, and, and so productive, and she's reunited with her kids. That's the thing. If we can, if we can make those places available for these women, um, you know, when they come in the door of our churches, you know, we we need to not look at them as though they are the scarlet woman. You know, we we've all fell short of the glory of God. Um, welcome them in, make them feel accepted and loved, and and go to trainings and find out if if you're worried about how to interact with these women, there's training available to teach people how to do this. Nikki, we, we, we're coming close to the end. Time sure does fly quickly. We've got about five minutes left in the program. Um, okay. If someone wants to get in contact with your organization, or uh, I'm assuming that your organization is a nonprofit, if they want to make, to make donations to their organization, how would they do that? Well, and you know what? We, we absolutely would appreciate that. We would love people to volunteer. Um, they can get in touch with us at www.starministry, S-T-A-A-R, ministry.com, or they can find us on Facebook at Star Ministry, uh, or they can call us at 1-844-2-STAR-2, which is 844-278-2272. And what about donations? I, I, do you accept donations? Absolutely, absolutely. You know that—that's the—I I have the hardest time with that because, you know, I—I I never got into this for money. I never got into this for money. But unfortunately, sometimes we have to have the money to to supply the needs that the women have. So we would appreciate donations. Uh, we take toiletries. Uh, we take financial donations, um, and and of course we can always use good volunteers that have the heart to serve. Okay, we're going to bring Dottie back in now because I I want to make a commitment. I want all of us to have a pact because I, I've known about this through my dear friend Dottie, and we've been friends and we've worked before in the past. But, uh, you know, Donna and I believe so strongly in the work that both of you are doing. We want to make sure that we become champions of, of what you do and make sure that we provide a platform to get information out to the public and to raise awareness. So I hope that we can get a commitment from both of you that we won't just do this two-part series and then just let it go. We like to come together a few times a year and just bring the community up to date as to what's going on and even maybe even do some type of educational presentation on the podcast. I, I, how do you guys feel about that? Uh, just Dottie, I absolutely love that, uh, Ron, Ronald, and um, I'm I'm there, and I know Nikki feels the same way. We want to get people educated. We want to bring more people in to help with this because it takes everybody. Everybody can do something, and nothing is too small. Everybody has a part to play, so we would love that. And, and I agree. I, I just I, I just want to reflect on on that as well. That you know we all hear these stories and it's 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 sensationalized and it's it's exciting and riveting and heartbreaking, and then we go away and nothing happens. Let's mm-hmm. not let that happen, people. Let's let yeah. let's stay committed. So we want to put a challenge out to all of our listeners, anyone who listens to this, that please you know uh, put a call in. To Nikki and Dottie, if somebody needs to reach you and your organization, how can they reach you? 
Yes, um, they can um, contact me. Uh, we have a Facebook page, the Free uh, Slavery Survival Network. Um, they could also um, email me at um, heartdance at verizon.net would be the best way to reach me. Uh, also, the Free Network website is www.freenetwork.us. Okay, once again, I want to remind everyone that you're listening to Blog Talk Radio, and this is America's Community Voices Network with your hosts, Donald and Ronald Brookins. Um, we're just concluding a two-part series on ending and surviving human trafficking in the state of Florida. Our special guest today has been Nikki Cross, and she is the founder of Star Ministry Corporation, Stop the Abuse and Rescue. And, of course, joining us again uh, for part two is Dottie Hoover Skipper. She's with the Salvation Army, and she's a trafficking coordinator with that organization. Um, we certainly want to thank both of you for joining us. Uh, I want to let you both know that Donna and I will be following up these interviews with a blog. We have a blog, and we're going to uh, distribute that blog and, and with a further detailed uh, 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 description of what we talked about today and the subject matter that we talked about. This will also be on iTunes, and it's going to be distributed on Facebook and Twitter and other places. Uh, we have less than 30 seconds left, so, again, thank you so, so much for agreeing to appear on our program. Most importantly, thank you so much for all that you're doing within our community to make it a better place to live in. We thank you, and, and Dottie, I thank you for being, again, a colleague and supporter in all this. Well, we, we couldn't you know how much you. I love you, Nikki. Ah, <laughs> you're amazing. Ditto. <laughs> Thank you, Donald. All right. All right, ladies. Goodbye and thank you. Have a good afternoon. Thank you. Thank you. God bless. Bye. Bye bye.